Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Kind of sub-mediocre landscape. So it's awesome being out here in California. Uh, My wife and I came out a little bit earlier, and we were able to head over to Monterey, go to the aquarium down there, and then go to, to Santa Cruz, and walk the boardwalk, get a lot of good uh, food, and then come out this way. Um, and so it's been uh, a great trip already, and um, I'm really excited for what we have in store for this weekend. When Cliff reached out to me a few weeks ago, we started discussing this idea of what do we want the youth rally to be centered around, and Cliff kind of threw out the idea, what about owning it, owning your faith, owning uh, your belief in God, and owning those different categories that all contribute to your faith. And so one of the places that I wanted to start is Owning your belief in God and in finding who God is. Um, and I think that this is a pivotal part, pivotal part in who you are as a Christian is understanding how and why you believe in God. So to illustrate finding God, um, this existential, theological, very profound truth, uh, I figured there's no better way to illustrate it than the movie Cars. Um, some of you might have seen the movie Cars. Maybe it's been a while, but maybe you haven't even seen the movie. Uh, Lightning McQueen is the main character in the movie. He starts out in the movie with, you've got uh, the crowd all there. It's kind of a NASCAR arena, and you've got all this excitement. Lightning McQueen starts this race for the Piston Cup, and he's racing, and everything's good. And then there's a tie, uh, so they have to postpone the event. Uh, Lightning McQueen eventually gets lost in Radiator Springs, and he he comes across this little tiny town, little hole-in-the-wall community, and he's thinking, what did I do stumbling upon this? It's junky here. I don't like the people here or the cars here, I guess, Um, and he kind of finds himself in this uncomfortable spot, and then throughout the movie, he finds this ability to come to love and know everyone there, and then that carries with him to the Piston Cup finale, where they have the race, but Lightning McQueen is able to incorporate this new family that he's gained, and I think, in large part, that's kind of how our Christianity plays off, is we were brought to the church, maybe at a younger age, maybe we were just a generational Christian, maybe you were brought to the church by friends or adopted family, and you kind of have this uh, strange belief in God, and strange meaning that you haven't really made it your own yet. Um, maybe you have, and that's great, but there's always room for improvement on our ownership of our belief in God, and I think just like in the movie Cars with Lightning McQueen, as he finds this strange place and he starts to get a little bit more comfortable he starts to believe in this place a little bit more as they start becoming more friendly to him and start uh, incorporating him into all their events and that's kind of how God treats us as we stumble upon God and his existence we start to find our place in God's kingdom but then it doesn't just stop there you see Lightning McQueen didn't just go on to the next race and leave them in the dust he brought them with him And that's how our faith in God needs to be, is once we find God, once we discover him and who he is, we take him everywhere that we go. And so one of the best places in scripture that I know of to discover and find God is in Psalm 136. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you, whether that's on your phone or uh, you've got your physical Bibles, we'll talk a little bit more about these uh, in the future, go ahead and turn to Psalm 136. This is where we're going to primarily be uh, this morning for the next couple of minutes. And I promise not to go too long, because I know that I am the one who is standing between you and lunch, and I know what that's like. So I will try not to be boring, and I'll try not to be long-winded. Psalm 136 is a really interesting psalm, because what we have here is a psalm that was often sung in Jerusalem at the temple. 
And typically what would happen is you'd have a choir master. So some of your psalms as you read uh, in the scriptures, you'll say the choir master or led by the choir master or to the choir master. And what you have is the choir master would sing the first part of the psalm, give thanks to Yahweh for he is good. And then the rest of the people, the assembly there, the congregation, they would shout back to the choir master for his loving kindness endures forever. And so as you look at Psalm 136, I know that's really small font. Hopefully you can read a little bit of it. We're going to break this down a little bit more. I always hate using small font in PowerPoints because it kind of just gets lost. But you would see that throughout this psalm, you've got these different attributes of God being thrown out there. And then the church or the assembly, especially the Israelite assembly, would sing back for his loving kindness endures forever. And so as you look at Psalm 136, you'll notice that I've highlighted in red, that you've got this idea of his loving kindness endures forever. You've got that 26 times, all littered throughout. So if we take those, and we're not going to throw them away, we're just going to kind of hold on to them for later. So when we take those and we hold on to them for later, then we're presented with a a much different looking psalm uh, that we have here. And it's really broken down into three different sections with bookends on either side. So you've got the introduction of the psalm, praising God for he is good and for uh, his loving kindness, um, and thanks to God of gods, and really showing the supremacy of who this God is, but then it's going to get into these three separate categories. So this morning, very briefly, what we're going to do is find God in each of these categories as they're illuminated within our life. And the first category that we find God is in creation. I know this is kind of an uh, easy spot to start off, but when we look at God and when we try to find God, we can very easily find God in creation. If you're familiar with Christian apologetics or Christian ethics or Christian evidences, all three of those categories really promote the idea of God based on creation and based on what we can see and what we cannot see. And so when you look at Psalm 136, uh, verses 4 through 9, you really get this idea of who God is. Notice in verse 4, he says, "...to him who alone does great wonders, to him who made the heavens with skill or with wisdom, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night. What the psalmist is doing here is praising God and giving him attribution for all the things that have been created in this world. There are a lot of great Christian evidences that we find within this world that really pay homage to how great of a God that we are. Um, Right now I'm taking a class uh, on Christian evidences in a master program And there's just so much material to cover. But I wanted to give you kind of some quick facts about how great our God is. Did you know that there are over 85 billion neurons in your mind, in your brain? Uh, 85 billion. That's a very hard number to wrap your mind around, especially in in such a limited space such as your brain. Um, If you were to take the human eye and convert it to megapixels, right? We're very used to taking cameras and converting them over to megapixels. The new iPhone uh, 14 just came out, and they boast of the new megapixel system in the iPhone 14 Pro. If you were to take the human eye and convert it to megapixels, which is a pretty rough transition and a pretty rough uh, equation there, but it would convert over to approximately about 527 megapixels in your human eye. And it's processing images very rapidly. You think about a 527 uh, megapixel shot that you were to take, and that takes up a lot of memory. So your, your human eye, what God has created in you, is far greater than any other camera that man has ever been able to produce. Uh, did you know that the human mind is calculated to hold at least, at least 2.5 petabytes? 
So you've got megabytes, which are kind of outdated now. You've got gigabytes, which is what your phone storage uses. So I've got like 128 megabytes on my, or gigabytes on my phone. You've got terabytes, which is like what you've got on your computer. One petabyte is one million gigabytes. And your human mind is estimated to hold 2.5 petabytes. So 2.5 million gigabytes of information in the human mind. It's remarkable to look at the human uh, body and to see how God has been so adamant and so easily tuned to how we have been produced. That you can look at the human body and you say that there has to be a creator, that this had to come from something. Did you know that as we were looking around and, and we were in Monterey Bay uh, at the aquarium, there was one fish on the wall and uh, he was floating around. And most of the aquarium uh, exhibits, they have names for these different fish. And above that fish, it said, this fish has no name because we're still trying to figure out what to call it. And I thought, how funny that there is something that's living in today's world that doesn't have a name. Well, that got me even more interested. How many more creatures are like this that don't have names? Did you know that 86% of land creatures are still undiscovered? That's an approximation, of course. But of all the animals that we have and all the animals that we know of, that there is still an estimated 86% of land creatures that we don't even know exist. Now, that's obviously kind of a rough estimation because how are you supposed to estimate something that you don't know exists? But that's the approximations of when you go to the jungles or when you go to the wilderness or you go to the deserts or you go all across the world and there are just these creatures that we've never even seen before. 86%, that really puts into perspective how much more there still is of this world to discover. Even though our technology is so advanced and our travel and means of travel have become so efficient, we still don't know anything about our planet. Even more impressive than that, 91% of sea creatures are still undiscovered. Because as we start diving deeper into the depths of the ocean, we realize that there are still creatures that we have no clue even existed. We have no clue that they're even moving around or even breathing. Um, it's amazing to see that when you look across the land and even the sea, that there is still so much in the created world and just this one planet that we don't know about. Uh, Marianas Trench, if you keep going, uh, I guess that would be west in the Pacific, you would reach Marianas Trench. And Marianas Trench at its deepest point estimated is over seven miles deep. Now, it's interesting coming from Colorado down here, uh, I was posting on Facebook and I said I was up in Breckenridge about 36 hours ago now, which is 12,000 feet, so a little bit over uh, two miles in elevation. And then I went down to Santa Cruz, which is 36 feet above the ocean. But if you look at Marianas Trench, we think that two miles is a lot in elevation change, and certainly it is because when you go up to 12,000 feet and you try running, it's very difficult. Air up there is very thin. But seven miles down into the ocean, and that's not even the deepest that the ocean goes to. There is still so much of this world that is to be discovered. But when we look at Psalms like Psalm 136, and the psalmist is praising God for how he has created the world that we live in, it's amazing to see God there present before us. Not only present before us, but actively engaged in the world. Uh, we went up to Sequoia National Park yesterday, and uh, you stand before those massive sequoia trees, and I was also curious about that. Did you know that the root systems can go 200 feet out one direction and that they'll latch onto other root systems? It's amazing how nature and creation has really uh, paid praise to our God and what he has done. And so one of the first areas that we can find God, really discover who God is, is simply by going out and experiencing creation. 
I was preaching in Oklahoma one time, and the, uh, one of the elders came up to me, and he said, where are you coming from? And I said, Denver, Colorado. And he said, wow, Denver. He said, you know, out here in the plains of Oklahoma, God kind of whispers to us, but out there in Colorado, he's really shouting to you. And I think you guys live in a similar state where God is shouting to you out here, that you can go to all these different national parks, you can go to the ocean, you can sit and watch the night sky, and you can see God. Because there is simply no other viable or validated explanation for all of this. Um, It's amazing to see God and creation, and it's so much more of a study that I wish we had time to dig into, but of course we have to move on. Number two, when we look at Psalm 136, we can find God in his deliverance. Now, I know that's kind of a churchy word, deliverance. We don't really use that word like, I was delivered from that teacher's test. No, that's silly. We We don't say things like that, even though we may feel it. But deliverance is really this biblical idea of God saving. I couldn't do it myself, and so God stepped in and did it for me. When you read Psalm 136, moving on, you'll see, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. If you would remember Exodus, now it's kind of cool how this psalm also progresses through Old Testament history. Curtis, I appreciate your uh, homage to Old Testament. I love Old Testament. That's what I'm getting my degree in. But you look at Genesis as the creation, and then you move into Exodus as far as God's deliverance and how that's being brought out in Psalm 136, just kind of a cool little uh, attribution of this psalm. But if you remember Exodus, the people were burdened uh, with slavery. It was a weight that was too heavy for them. And they cried out to God, God save us. And God said, I will let you uh, be free. I will make Pharaoh surrender you over. And then Pharaoh fought back in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 2, and he said, who is this God that I should let his people go? Pharaoh didn't know who God was in Exodus 5. By the time you get to Exodus 15, Moses is singing praises to God because they've been delivered from Egypt. And at that point, Pharaoh discovered who God was. When we look at how God has delivered us, we find him. We see his presence in our very lives. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 would say that we were delivered from the kingdom or the domain of darkness or the authority of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in the light. That God has taken us from darkness and he's brought us into light. So while we look at the Exodus and we say, well, yeah, God did those wonderful things through the ten plagues and all of that good stuff. God isn't really delivering me. But if you're a Christian, if you're one who believes in God, then you'd recognize that that God has delivered you into this new kingdom, Um, that God would deliver you from all those different sins, all those different pains. There have been times in my life where I have felt pain that is too hard to sometimes go through. There have been times in this life where I felt like all hope was lost, where I didn't know what to do. And it was at that point where I I just stopped. Everything that I was doing, I just stopped. And I prayed to God. And out of that, situation, God brought an outcome. God provided a solution. God not only saves us spiritually, but God can deliver you emotionally, mentally, physically. God's deliverance is so far beyond our grasp. You know, sometimes providence, and we we say that word as if it's a mystical uh, (laughs) attribution of God, God's providence. Um, Cecil May Jr. once said that if you really just take the word providence and take off the NCE at the end, you really get what it is. It's God providing that when God answers prayers, that's providence. And providence is always best seen in retrospect. Sometimes it's really hard when you're going through life to say, where is God? How is God fulfilling 
my life in all of this grand scheme of chaos and struggle and, and whatever else is going on. But when you look back on your life, you see God put me there at the right time, or God put my friend there at the right time, or God gave me a family at the right time. And so we find God through his deliverance. The third area that we see God or that we are able to find God is in prosperity. Again, one of those words that is sometimes a churchy word, but I think prosperity really encapsulates the idea of what the psalmist is hitting at here. When you move on to the psalm, in Psalm 136, 16 through 25, you'd read, "...to him who led his people through the wilderness." To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, for his loving kindness endures forever, uh, is always flowing through that. Sahon, uh, king of Amorites, uh, and Og, king of Bashan, uh, and gave their land as inheritance, even an inheritance to Israel, his servant, who remembered us in our lowest state and has snatched us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh. It is God who is providing the blessing in all these things. You remember when the Israelites were in Egypt, right? They were complaining to God saying, get out of here. And so God got them out of there. And things were good for a little bit. They're wandering through the wilderness. And then you'd come across books like the rest of Exodus or books like Numbers. And the people start grumbling to God, uh, especially in Numbers chapter 16. They start complaining, uh, Moses, you brought us out here to die. We'd rather go back to Egypt. They were kind of being fickle in how they wanted uh, God to uh, move them in their life. They said, get us out of here. God brought them out of there, and now they're sick and tired of being where they are. But when we read through Psalms like Psalm 136, we see that God has much bigger plans for you than to just simply wander in the wilderness. And there will be times in your life that you feel like you're wandering through some sort of wilderness. For me, a lot of it was like high school. I had no clue where I was going in high school. I thought I was going to enlist for the Air Force. I thought I was going to go be a mechanical engineer. I had like seven different career paths that I thought of in high school. And I felt like I was wandering in some sort of wilderness. I have no clue where I was going. And then uh, I graduated. I went into welding school. And it was still some sort of wilderness when I was uh, welding professionally. Uh, And then I found God and discovered him and discovered God in prosperity. I found God in his blessing. When you look around at your life and you see all the different blessings and where all those good things come from, You're able to find God. And the last area that we really find God is in love. When you look at Psalm 136, and we've kind of just briefly gone through it real quickly, but what we did at the beginning is we we looked at uh, Psalm 136, and we took, for his loving kindness endures forever. We took that and we we held on to it. And now I want to present it back to you and, and fit it back into Psalm 136. 26 times his loving kindness endures forever. That In creation, God loved us. In deliverance, God loves us. In prosperity, God loves us. And it's because of God's love that he's doing these things for you. It's because of God's love that we're able to find him. There are very many militant atheists like Neil deGrasse Tyson who would claim that there is no such thing as an all-powerful or all-loving God because look at all the pain in this world. How can there be a God when there is suffering and pain in this world? And I would counter that question with another question. How can there not be a God with all the love, all the blessing, all the goodness, all the joy? Why do we experience blessing in this life? If we were structured toward a natural order where there is no God, we we're just here because that's naturally what happened, which doesn't even make sense anyways. But if we're here because that's what naturally happened, then we shouldn't have an acclamation to joy. We shouldn't know what happiness is because naturally things shouldn't be going well. 
But we know from writers like Peter and James that all good things come from God. Everything that's perfect, everything that's good comes from God. And it's through God's love that we're able to find him. And so, real briefly this morning, what I want us to start off with this idea of owning it is owning your belief in God. I think that there are four primary areas in your life that you can view right now, today, and for the rest of your life that you can find God. And when you go to Psalm 136, I think that's where they are, is you can find God in creation. When you look up in the night sky or those things around you, you can find God. When you look at how God has delivered you, and you'll find that more and more as you get older, that God is always bringing you out of these tricky situations, or maybe he sends you through them um, so that you can be stronger and better on the outside. But you'll see God in deliverance, and you'll also find God in prosperity, how you are able to have blessing and all these great things in life. But most importantly, you can find God in his love. Would you pray with me real quick? Our God, we're so thankful uh, to you for being our God. We strive to be your people. And Lord, sometimes it's very difficult with how the world influences us and how uh, the world makes other lives seem better or seem more attractive. But Father, we know that the best life is that which is found in you. And Father, as we go throughout this weekend, we pray that we could be people of yours, that we could encourage one another, that we could be encouraged to you. Father, we pray your presence among us, that you would help our minds uh, stay attentive and stay focused on uh, the eternal matters. Lord, we are so grateful that you have saved us. Uh, We couldn't do that ourselves, and it's all because of you. We thank you so much for your love that runs through us and is so abundant among us. Thank you for everything that you've done. It's your son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless.